This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live Podcast. Live from Sherman Talent. Real talk about talent acquisition, recruiting, sourcing, and hiring. Are you in talent acquisition? Then listen up, because we're about to blow Blow your your mind. mind. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup. Thank you for listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Doug on from the Emergency Assistance Foundation, and we're going to be talking to him about a couple things first about the foundation two his session at sherm talent can't wait to learn about that and in three what he learned through the pandemic so doug would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and the emergency assistance foundation uh sure will thank you william so um i'm doug stock i'm I'm the founder and president of um, emergency assistance foundation which is a little over 10 years old and um we administer employee relief funds for a large number of large organizations, about 300 plus right now. Total population, about 12 million employees globally. And we've been enjoying this and growing quite a bit, finding a lot of needs. So it's been very, uh, very a lot of fun. Tell us about emergency relief. What is that? Is I think automatically kind of the you know tornadoes and things like that. But what is it, what is that defined as? Well, that's a, a very much similar to what it is, but we consider ourselves financial first responders. So what happens is uh, with employee relief funds, a company will come to us and establish a a fund within our foundation. Then they donate and they encourage employees to donate. And from those donations, then we're able to uh, help people in need. So generally what happens is an employee with the company will either be impacted by a hurricane, tornado, or or some personal hardships like death in the family or some bills they can't pay. And they will apply for a grant and we'll pay, either pay their bills or give them some money so that they can kind of get back on their feet. I love the phrase financial first responders. Have you trademarked that? Because that is just... No, but that's what we use a lot and because um, we do think that's kind of a simple description of what we do. It's just a, a wonderful play on words, but it's also just kind of a word, a wonderful way of thinking about it too. Because everyone's going to get jammed up from time to time, and it could be around a tornado or a hurricane or a fire or something like that, but could be not that. Well, you know, I, I think I remember exactly how we started. I think we might have, or it might have been actually Starbucks, who's fun we help with globally, and they said, uh, you know, we're giving all first responders uh, a free cup of coffee, so y'all come in anywhere, where you are. And we, we're a virtual organization, always have been. Right. We have 130 people throughout the globe who work by themselves virtually. And so um, you know, we always appreciate any attention we can get because we're all by ourselves, really, right. even though we're together right. as a group. And you have uh, about 300-plus uh, members or customers? Well, companies, they establish funds. Right. Yeah, we, we've added 12 more this year. And generally large companies. Some could be a couple thousand people, but some companies have a million employees. And the fund size are what to what? What is that range? Well, it's the, it's the how much they donate. So right. Some funds might only have twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year donated. Some might have, you know, several million dollars a year right. donated. And and in donation, quite often, will be in response to something. Right. So during COVID, you have a lot more people donate. We had one hundred fifty million one year. Uh, of course, we're doing a lot with companies in Ukraine now, and that's important for those communities. So we get a lot of donations for specifically for that. Right. So we've. Uh, We've made about $3 million in donations, uh, excuse me, grants to people in Ukraine who are employees of companies we work with. 
plus uh, some to others where in other countries like Romania, Hungary, where they're supporting um, people, refugees. So, but we do some of those hardships are every day-to-day type thing, but these other events we all pay attention to around the world happen. And an interesting thing, I get to see a lot what goes on in the world before you read about it. So last 2020 in February, we we're saying, wow, we're getting a lot of applications in Wuhan, China, uh, you know, and because they're getting sick. And, uh, you know, we kind of knew what it was in the news, but it was a precursor to other things going to happen. So we actually start seeing it before I read about it quite often. Wow. That is, and because a lot of these companies are global, you're going to yes. see that from, and you, and you see that from the HR and employees, et cetera, because they're going through some hardships. Uh, I love, first of all, I think it's God's work, uh, Doug. Just, I love what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about your session here at Sherm Talent. What do you, uh, what's, your, what's your bit? What are you talking to folks about it? Well, um, we, we love talking about it because it's one of our favorite subjects, you can imagine. So we consider what we do is educate. So we don't have any sales team. We don't do any selling. Uh, we think if we educate you well, you'll think we do a good job. You'll want to work with us. And, uh, and so most do. So here my, I viewed my role is to educate. And people who administer their own fund, I still want to make it a better fund. Uh, people who uh, might use another third party, I want to help them be better. And so my goal is to try to educate them and show them examples. Okay, this, this one will work, but here's a better way to do it. Right. And here's some tools you might want. And if you want to reach out, we'll tell you, you know, how to, how to improve it. And so what we've worked hard at, um, because most foundations try to do good things, but they have overhead. Right. And Brian and I have been very business-oriented, so our idea is the less money we have to pay for overhead, the more it can go to the individuals. And so we've built a lot of uh, great scaling tools and we used um, artificial intelligence, robotics, because we want the people to be doing people thinking, interacting people work, and just routine work should be more automated. Right. So um, we're able to keep our, uh, we don't do any fundraising, the companies just to do that. We have a very low program cost and the administrative cost, our total costs are about 4.2%. So, which is really unheard of in the nonprofit world because we're running this, you know, we've very focused and very objective criteria. We, and the goal is to get as many mo- money to people quickly. So we created this, department we call express grants. In other words, we made the decision, now you need to get the money to them quickly. So we try to pay within one day, and we use a lot of tools like, they're almost always done through a hyperlink to your phone. Right. And you can either put in your bank account, or if you're not, don't have bank account, you're non-banked, you could print out a PDF, it's a piece of paper, a check, or you could use a virtual credit card, or you could uh, go on to some apps and arrange to have a cash pickup somewhere. But every, you know, every situation is different. You know, for example, last, uh, in August of 2020, in Lebanon, they had a big fertilizer explosion. Remember that? And the government um, collapsed. The banking system had a problem, and, but we still had to find ways to pay people. And we've always, you know, you have the way you want to do it, but then you say, well, wait a minute, what's going to happen now? That's right. Or in Puerto Rico in 2017, when all the... Hurricane. They, they had a banking system, but there's no power, so the branch wouldn't operate a little bit. Right. And you have to find ways. And that's kind of been our... Uh, our go-to thing, you know, 90% of the time works easy, but the 10%, what are you going to do? So we view that as, because it's always during disaster, so it's not like everything has to be exactly right before you start. Right. You just have to start working at it, and I know there's going to be some messy stuff going on, but, but we'll just deal, work through it. And well, that's been our trademark. But everyone's going through that messy part, too, yeah. you know, the, especially if it's some type of uh, devastation or some type of event like that. Have you been asked, or have y'all th- can, you know, thought about Bitcoin and crypto as of yet, or is oh, it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We, we in fact um, we're working very large 
much with a, a cryptocurrency for a while to be part of it, and it, it didn't pan out for the currency. Right. And um, and so what Brian does, one of the things he he does a lot with cryptocurrency, particularly in um, he uh, if people donate it, you know, he appraises it, knows the values, and so we are very much into it. It hasn't really worked out well yet because you have to have individuals, and quite often people are not in a great place. Right. And so, but we're very much on the edge of wanting to use it and wanting to make sure it makes sense as a as a go to way. Yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity there because it's very uh, low cost um, to make the transaction, right? And it's also can be very quick. It, but the other person has to be kind of educated in it too becomes a hurdle. But we're definitely moving in that direction. Yeah, and it's uh, as I see it, it's just another arrow in your quiver. And at yeah. the time when you're trying to get the money into the hands of the people that need it. How's the best? Is it, is it yeah, Venmo, uh, PayPal? Uh, what are you like? What are we? What can we do to get the money in your hands? Right. So absolutely. So we look at two things. Our organization is two ways. We're we're a, a grant payment processor. We do a huge amount, about thirty percent outside the U.S. Oh, we wow. make about in a slow month. We make about five six thousand payments a month. In the in the heady times, we might make sixty thousand payments in a month. And and then we have the other piece is doing objective criteria uh, review and interacting with the applicants. So you have to be good at both those things. Right. Yeah, but we, so we always are uh, creating, going to new ways, trying new things as well, like some redundancy. And, and so things like crypto, are, clearly I think there's opportunity there and we want to be part of it if we can. We're just trying to get the individual, the money as quick as possible in a way they can get it and use it. Yep. I can see that. Okay. So Doug, the last train of thought is, is what you learned or the organization learned through the pandemic. And, Pandemic's ongoing. I understand that, but in the last two years, we'll just keep it simple. What do you think you've learned in the last two years? Well, it's interesting. Um, so we've always been a virtual organization, and now uh, everybody else has learned to be virtual, which makes our job a little easier because they, they expect that. Um, and what we did just before pandemic happened, two kind of odd things. One is we decided we were going to. We had a, a great conference. We invited people to come, and then we we're going to go into one in Orlando in March. So we said, we need to get some kind of inexpensive giveaways. Let's see it. So we got uh, hand sanitizer, just tons of hand sanitizer. And so all of a sudden, this happened. And so and we couldn't go. But then I started getting calls for hand sanitizer. I said, they run out. So well, I got 300 bottles of it. Come on and get some. That's funny. Um, but we did learn, we, we've always had scale tools. And just before this happened, we were having like 1,000 applications a month. In March of 2020, had 60,000 applications a month. But we'd built scale tools to ideas that we would, because it happens every few years, we grow like two or 3,000 percent. So we were getting ready for the next big thing without knowing what it was. And we were ready for it in a lot of ways, but we did learn other scale things we needed to do, which we always try to look at what could we have done different, what could have done better. And I think we did really, really good, but we learned to do two things. One is to be able to scale bigger than we ever dreamed we'd ever have to. And number two is to is to create the redundancies. In other words, you go to a new system that's much better, but you need to maintain the old system because if so, you get a hiccup or something happens, well, it's like people have a generator at their house. If you don't run that generator every month, when you actually need it, it's not going to work. Right. So we're we already kind of knew those things, but we really made it more. Um, um, what do you call it? More, more it, institutionalized. Yeah. Another thing we did learn to do because of scale is when you're trying to reconcile books. You know, it takes time, and you have, and we don't have much time. So we've created tools for our donors to have live data, but we also decided we're going to rec- we're going to reconcile our uh, bank accounts every day. We're going to reconcile our books every day. 
which takes some skills. But once you, and a lot of it's automated, once you do that, you don't ever have a cleanup process. That's right. So we said we, we can't do cleanup because you get cleanup, it takes months. And it's transparent. Exactly. So we've learned a lot of ways. It's always like, okay, if you could do it every day, how do you do that? Well, you can't. Okay, but if you could, how would you do it? And we keep getting better and better. So we've, yeah, it's, you learn a lot through scars, you know, and yeah. we get better and better and better. And I keep telling people, you know, we always talk about our problems, but quite frankly, our problems are so much nicer than they were a year ago. So we keep getting better and better and better. And and so I'm very proud of the people that work with us. We have very little turnover. And well, one thing that's always happened, which is a miracle to me, we've never asked people to work extra. Right. But every time something happens, <clears throat> they always do. They just step up and work uncalled God hours, and nobody asks you to do it. Right. We certainly pay you for it, but people just do it because they realize that's that's really become our culture. Yeah, yeah. And it's very interesting because we never actually asked people to do it. Well, it's, again, getting back to that financial first responders. Yeah. You know, a responder, you talk to a fireman, and they don't think about hours. They think about the task at hand, whatever that task is hand. And, you know, once that's settled, well, then they'll figure that out. Yeah, they don't, that makes sense. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't think. I have a good friend that's a police officer, and, uh, and he's, he's called into those situations. Uh, hostage types of situations. He doesn't think in hours. Like I've asked him, like, okay, so how long can you be on? How long can you be off? And all that. Yeah, we don't think in hours. No, because you have to do what you got to do. That's right. That's right. And it's the same as when a hurricane hits, mudslide, fire, whatever it is. Uh, Doug, I absolutely love the work you're doing. Thank, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being here. Just thank you for the work that you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. I've enjoyed it very much. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.